0: and welcome to Two Girls in a Pod. I'm Sharon. I'm Christy. So happy to have you all back. We're running a little bit late on this one. Had a little bit of technical difficulties. Yeah, unfortunately. (laughs) But you know, what's really cool is that we have a wonderful editor who helps us out with all this. So once again, a shout out to Raymond uh, Mm. for all of his wonderful work for us. We really appreciate it. You know, this week, as we always tell you, we sit and talk about, you know, what are some things that we see whether it's trending in my office or social media, whatever. But, you know, one of the things that we've talked about, you know, and I often talk to you about is men's mental health. Right. You know, I don't think we talk enough about it. And, you know, I've been so blessed and just filled with gratitude for all the males that I've had that have come into my office and, and shared their stories with me because oftentimes it's not easy for them. Right. You know, people might say, well, why isn't it easy if you're a man, you're sitting there going, "Uh huh, I know why it's not easy." <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's so much stigma around men and their emotions, and you know, all that stuff. How you're, you man up, you know, and all of those kind of things yeah. that we hear constantly. Yeah, you see it in movies, even.
1: Definitely, there is a a definite clear message that is presented, I think, to men about man up and be strong and not show emotions and
0: those kinds of things. And I think it really does a disservice to them. You know, one of the things I tell all my male clients is I apologize to them. I say, you know what? This is a travesty that has been done and it's perpetuated by people. Yes. And and often by men.
1: Yes. And over such a long period of time, this has
0: historically been an issue. And I always tell them, you know, it's such a disservice to men. Men die younger than women, and oftentimes it's due to the fact that they keep everything bottled up so they have more hypertension, they have more heart attacks, those kind of things. They also have a higher suicide rate. It all boils down to men are not taught to communicate what they are feeling. They're not taught to communicate in the same way women are. You know, from the time you're little, you know, girls... Even if you sit and watch kids, girls are constantly talking with each other and, you know, sharing ideas and feelings and all that kind of stuff. And when you see little boys, it's very much around, very centered around whatever that play is. A lot of it's not a feeling-based thing. Right. And so I always tell men, you know, one of the things you have to do is understand that what this thing that you've been told all of these years is not truth. Right. Women are the weaker sex because look at how emotional they are. Yeah, but we get to live longer.
1: There's the healthier ones because we communicate what's going on.
0: Yes. So <laughs> it's, it's been this kind of perpetual thing that's been in motion for thousands, you know, however long a man's been around. Everybody change that date. But anyway, right. we won't even get into that. But I think the thing is, is it's been there.
1: Yeah, and drilled into their heads since the time they are born. I mean, it it comes through, you know, all of these ideas that we have about gender roles and all of those kind of things.
0: It is. And then when we see these gender roles, these were put there for some type of division. And I think at the end of the day, we're all more alike than we are different. Mm -hmm. But we continue to perpetuate this, you know, like I said, whether it's in our media or wherever it is. But the thing is is I tell men, until you learn that the greatest strength that women sometimes has have is their ability to talk about things, their ability to communicate their feelings and stuff. Women will get together and they will gripe, complain, whatever you want to call it. Vent. Vent. Right. And then they're okay. Yeah. It's very cathartic.
1: Right. And we've talked about how men and women communicate differently. Yes. And How that when a woman starts giving all the backstory to something, how the men kind of get lost in that.
0: (laughs) Yes. And, you know, there is a difference in the way in which we communicate. But the thing is, is that it starts with just talk. Right. Just take that opportunity to talk. And oftentimes men will say, oh, man, my wife, my girlfriend, whatever. They want me to talk more. And they're, they're like, and I said, then y'all get confused because you don't know what you're supposed to talk about. And they're, they're like, yeah, it's like all this stuff starts going on in the head. Do I talk about my work? Do I talk about what? What am I supposed to talk about? What do they want to hear? Mm-hmm. Men think too much in that aspect. There's that anticipation of what is it I'm supposed to say or, and even that it's not about sharing feelings often. Right. Because once again, men are taught you keep your feelings in if those are sissy feelings. Right. You, know?
1: you don't want to appear weak.
0: Yes. And I always tell my men, I promise you your strength and in your ability to talk about what is going on with your thoughts and with your feelings. Because when you can talk about what's going on with your thoughts and feelings, you can then navigate it to a much healthier place. But when you just keep it and you keep it and you keep it, it eventually boils over. And oftentimes, even with men, men are taught that it's okay to be angry. It's okay to have those kind of behavior, even though you get in trouble for them, it's still more acceptable to see a man go punch a wall than it is to see him sit and cry. How many times do
1: you hear that saying boys will be boys and things like that? And those are contributing factors as to why we are where we are today. Absolutely.
0: The thing is though, is women want their husbands, fathers, brothers, uncles, whatever they are to be around for a long period of time. They want them on that long journey. But what happens is men often die younger than women, and even when women die younger before men, men often don't live much longer afterwards unless they get into another relationship very quickly. Right. Because that that woman still, there's that emotional piece to it, Mm -hmm. okay? And this is not a criticism. This is not saying men are bad or women are bad or women are good or men are good. It's none of that. This is an observation that I have made. This is something that I think we need to talk about and we need to stop putting men in this box because then we sit there and we say, oh my God, why is the suicide rate so high for men? I was reading an article. One of the things they talked about in that article when they're looking at this research now, it is men's. Lack of communication. Here's just a few little stats.
1: Uh, The age-adjusted suicide rate in 2020, 13.48, 100,000 individuals. The rate of suicide is the highest in middle-aged white men. In 2020, men died by suicide
0: 3.88 times more than women. Those are just a few of the stats. But listen to that. Right. It shouldn't be. Happening. It shouldn't be. And oftentimes you'll see, you know, these successful men, but also they're putting unnecessary pressure on themselves of what it's like to be successful. Society has set this bar for what success looks like. And in that bar, it's you work more, you work harder, you make more money, you know, and it's this constant thing that continues to happen. And it is a disservice. And more women are doing that now that you have single, you know, we have more women who are raising their own kids and stuff like that. You're seeing that even in women, the stress levels have gone up. Right. And what we're seeing a lot in men is anxiety. They don't know what it is, but they're, you know, when you talk about it, when I talk to men they're like, oh, I've always got like lots of thoughts going on in my head because they're trying to navigate everything, which is still creating an anxiety. They're just not able to identify it as anxiety. And then as we sit and talk that they're like, Oh, that's what that, oh my God, yeah, I am anxious. I worry about how many hours I'm going to work. So there's a lot of anxiety that happens. Right.
1: And that's not to say, I mean, everybody is under pressure, especially nowadays. But I feel like this is a critical issue that, that needs to be addressed because you can see how it has played out over time that there is, there's so much pressure on men to maintain So there's just been a lack of effective communication in general, but that is something that definitely needs to be addressed with them.
0: Well, and I think so. And, you know, one of the things is, is that even when I'm talking to men, oftentimes they'll say about, you know, they're coming into me because they have some anger issues. And then, you know, as we start to break it down, I'll be there like you were frustrated, but it manifests in a behavior that looked like anger But you didn't know how to explain. You were frustrated. So when somebody prescribes it as anger, you just say, okay, I'm angry.
1: Like the example that you had used about the little kid.
0: I was working with the little, he was a little tyke. And his parents were in there one day and they came in and the little boy comes in and goes and he kicks my couch. And, you know, the parents are starting to get upset. And and they're they're like, why are you so mad, you know, about being angry? And I said, wait, wait, wait. I said, let's talk to him for a minute. So I said, hey, come on over here. So he comes over and I says, well, did my couch do something to you? And he looks at me and smiles go, goes, no. I says, well, then why did you kick my couch? And he goes, I'm really sad. And I says, well, honey, why are you sad? And his little friend was moving. And he was missing it. He was going to miss his friend. He only had one. <laughs> so that was really, really relevant and important to him. Right. But once again, his behavior to anybody looking they would have prescribed that he was angry instead of having that communication with males. Right. Are you angry? Are you frustrated? Are you overwhelmed? Right. What's going on?
1: And I think that that happens a lot and people just automatically prescribe an idea to it. You just label it right away. Instead of having that conversation and
0: finding out what's really going on. Exactly. And oftentimes I think this is the other thing people will ask, not just males, but more, we're talking male here, but they'll say, what's wrong? Are you mad? No. Well, what's wrong? I don't know. And once again, that can be a very, very true answer. Yeah. Because I think that even, sometimes people can ask me or, you know, I mean, I don't know how that, you know, is something going on? And I'll be there like, hmm, I don't know. And then I'll stop and think about it. Well, what is my behavior? Why am I, Why? why are you asking me that? And you might say, Oh, well, you seem a little off, or I'll say that to you. And then you can stop and think about it.
1: And sometimes you'll ask someone something like that. And it's like the more you ask them, the more upset they get. And they, and maybe they aren't able to identify what's really happening. There is an internal feeling that something is amiss, but maybe they don't know what it is. And so when you ask them, is something wrong? Oh, no. Are you sure nothing's wrong? And they're, well, it looks like something's wrong. (laughs) Yeah. I'm telling you nothing is wrong. Maybe you really don't know what's wrong.
0: and you Or know. if the person says, I don't know. Well, how can't you know? <laughs> I get that. I hear that often. And especially with kids. I will hear parents ask kids that. And they're, they're like, I don't know. Or why did you do that? I don't know. That's often the true answer. Right. They don't know. And we talk about this all the time. You know, when you see those little pictures with all of the faces and all the expressions. And all the emotions with them. And some of those, I'm there like, I don't even know what half of that is. How would I describe that? Right, yeah.
1: Sometimes I'll see, you know, emojis on the phone and I'm thinking, what is that face supposed to be expressing? Because <laughs> I don't really. get it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> then you have to go look for the confused ones to send that back. Because now <laughs> I'm confused by your emoji. <laughs> yeah. You know, but oftentimes, you know, we'll ask people, well, what are you feeling? And sometimes it's not, maybe it's not sad. Maybe it's melancholy, but they don't know what that means. Right. Maybe it's a little bit void. I mean, there's all of these different things that it can be, but they know it's not sad. So when you say, are you sad? No, I don't know. And that's because it's not exactly the word and it's or their definition of that word. So then we get into this thing of semantics and trying to understand, you know, somebody else prescribed what these emotions are. Right cuz words And there's only, variations of them.
1: Right, words can only they're pointers and we don't always exactly. have the exact words to describe some things and sometimes we don't even know where these feelings come from. You know, we've talked about if you sometimes you have a a bad dream and you don't even remember what the dream was, but you wake up and there's this feeling underneath that you're not you feel unsettled or out of sorts, or something like that, and you don't even know what it's from. So you can't match up a thought to it and think, well, this is what's going on. This is what's wrong. It's just there.
0: It's a feeling. It's yeah. it's kind of just sits there. I was telling you, I had a dream the other night that I was really upset and, and hurt by something in, from you in the dream. But I thought, as soon as I woke up, I could I still had that feeling. And I was there like, wait a minute. And we even talked about it. You said, but I didn't do anything. And you didn't. But those feelings, even in our dreams, are very, very strong. They are very, very real. That's why I told her right away about it so that I wouldn't have this lingering feeling and then be upset about something that she has no power and control over. But how many times I will hear that from couples? Oh, I was so mad at you in my dream. And they're still mad.
1: Right. (laughs) It becomes so real because that feeling is still sitting there. I, I remember you even mentioned something about it later and I was like, well, I'm sorry for what I did in the dream. I know I didn't really do it, but, you know, you're still holding on to this feeling.
0: And it's so weird because, and I always talk to people about what I call the peekaboo feeling. And it's kind of like you have the feeling and then it, and so you're having the emotion around it or whatever. And then it kind of hides, but it, you, that that feel is still there. It lingers. And it's almost like you can, it's almost like, okay, I almost know what it is. I almost know what it is. And then just when you're about to grab it, it moves, you know. So I think there's a lot of that that takes place too. So there's so much stuff that's going on. And then so you have men who are being told, talk about that. Mm -hmm. You don't cry like a baby. You don't do this. You don't do that.
1: And like I say, a lot of it comes through those gender roles that Mm -hmm. we prescribe to people from very young. We've talked about how, you know, with kids, they have imaginations and they play. play. And sometimes parents are not okay with how they play.
0: It's because I always tell people whenever you're looking at children, part of the problem is, is that you look at them from your adult perception. Mm -hmm. And I have had it where... I've worked with little kids in different arenas and, you know, they have what's called the dress up corner and they'll have the little fireman and the policeman and the mailman and the doctor, and then they'll have all the princesses and all that. And I very rarely will hear if the little girl dresses up as the policeman or the fireman or any of that people being offended by it. But I have seen where if the little boy puts on the princess dress, that They're very offended by it. Don't you ever let my son wear that clothing. Blah, 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 blah. He's a little boy. He's not a little girl. They don't understand. They don't see gender at all in that aspect. The little boy may just want to play with the wand because he thinks it's pretty cool. But he may feel like you have to wear the whole outfit in order to play with the wand. Because if he sees everybody else, oh, they put the dress on, then they can play with the wand. They don't make the same associations. Right. He just might want the magic of the wand. (laughs) Right. And so I think that we start instilling it even at that age. Mm -hmm. And maybe we're seeing a shift in gender roles and things like that. You know, I don't know. But I think that when we do that, and then, you know, like the little boy, he came to me and he asked me, he goes, Miss Sharon, how come I can't wear the dress and play with the wand? (laughs) We're just pretend. It's They understand it's pretend. Right. But oftentimes the adults looking at it and they don't see it as the same pretend.
1: But I think that it would help so much if we would have, you know, more of a conscious awareness to that and realize that kids do just play and they are just using imagination and to not put that kind of pressure on.
0: And how many times have you seen like if a little boy gets hurt, oh, rub it off and come on, stop crying. Mm. You know, you often hear that a little girl. Oh, what's the matter? You know, mm-hmm. We do such different. And once again, that gender stuff, though, what you're telling the little boy is stop crying. Your pain is not relevant. Mm-hmm. Pain is pain. I don't care who it is. Right. And I think and, you know, oftentimes so then when you after that, when you see little boys, when they get hurt, they will throw something or they will display that in a different fashion. Right. Which then, you know, as you get older, these things start to get you in trouble.
1: And you hope that they can control that. But that's also, you know, it's something that has been so ingrained in them. As they get older, you see that play out.
0: Uh, We always tease because, you know, Christy used to have such bad road rage. And (laughs) now she's so much better. So, so much better. But road rage is one of those things. Because when I talk to my males and they've had that road rage, and I asked when I said, Really? Because that was going to become an altercation. And he said, I was just so mad. I'm thinking, who are you to cut me off? Why are you doing that to me? And I said, really? That person and that man in that vehicle knew you and personally had a personal vendetta against you and went. And then it wasn't that. It was all that other stuff that just sits of where they feel not validated Mm -hmm. or like somebody's doing something to them. So because they don't communicate that oftentimes... Because think about road rage. It is not normal or whatever normal is for the context of what's happening. That person. And, you know, I worked with that. And it was so funny because when we talked about that and then he kind of looked at me and he goes, oh, man, when you put it like that, that doesn't even make sense. I said, no, what was going on? Where did that really come from? And we worked on that because his was road rage. He oh my goodness.
1: I mean those things are frustrating and you can get triggered by them and that's the thing though is like I, I mean everybody is guilty of that to a degree. We're taking things so personally and seeing these as direct offenses against us and you know that person is not thinking probably about the next person in the car. If they were they wouldn't be driving recklessly to begin with most likely. You know it's about where they're wanting to get to or whatever like that well exactly
0: so- and sometimes it is simply we do the best that we can when we're driving and sometimes we don't see that person or whatever but we're doing our best a lot of times but once again we get into this and we had a situation where we were in a fender bender and and right away the female gets out and she's very apologetic. We're not angry. We're just there like, you know, is everybody okay? We exchange information and we were off on our way. Right.
1: And I mean, we were on our way to an appointment and that, and we could have, you know, gone with that and been em- emotionally charged and really, you know, attacking and that,
0: but, but it served no purpose. It
1: served no purpose. We had somewhere to be. I'm sure she did too. And she was very, you know, gracious.
0: And yeah. it's like, why do I have to be angry? It, accidents happen. That's yeah. why they're called accidents. Yeah. But then we have a situation where we're driving and Christy is shifting lanes. And so she has the right of way and there's a on-ramp like, And so that person has to yield. Well, oh the God. guy doesn't yield. Yeah. So he thinks Christy cut him off. Well, no, you have a yield. But maybe he didn't see the yield. I don't know. He's honking at us. And then he follows us to the stoplight. He's yelling. He's raging, mm-hmm. raging. And I'm just looking I'm like, dude, no harm, no foul. You could have no accountability. He didn't realize he was the one who didn't yield because whatever else was going on. Right. He took something very personally and we're just there like, dude. But then it did cause a little bit of dysregulation even with us because it's like, oh, that is so much anger.
1: Right. You could see it all over him.
0: I mean, he he was pointing, he was yelling, and his other hand was gripped onto the wheel and just raging. Yeah. And I'm thinking, he needs to learn to communicate.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Those just lead to senseless, you know, things. Sometimes
0: and, senseless acts of violence. Yeah. Because we get so involved in that rage. And this is what I also work with my clients on, is when you have that moment, what you do is you keep feeding it. When you're angry, and I'll even ask him, are you just thinking about that? And they'll, sometimes they'll say, well, no, and this person did this, and this person, and now it's just building. And building until it explodes. It's that lack of communication. It's that lack of being able to slow it down and I work with people on in our brain there is a nanosecond between the thought or feeling behavior okay and one of my clients, he loves that he goes oh my goodness he had a little bit of anger issues too that's why he came to me and he goes that is so weird he goes you you actually if you focus and pay attention And he goes, I've really not had anger to the degree that I did. He says, now when I get angry and upset, but he's also learning to communicate more. You know, if something's going on, he just talks about it. And he's realizing, and you know, my, when I work with my male clients, it's male and female. I don't care in that case. I really work with the importance of communication. Communication is our foundation as reading is the foundation for everything we do from math sciences to everything. If you can't read, you can't do those other things. You have to know how to read. Well, you have to know how to communicate. You have to know how to communicate what's going on with you. Mm-hmm. Or you have to even know how to communicate what you're expecting from somebody else. Right. And that helps keep down anxiety. It helps with all of those different things that are going on. Women suffer from depression at a higher rate than men. But yet, we don't have the same rate of suicide even with that. Right. Once again, I think that we get to that place where people think, I'm just angry. There's nothing that's going to happen. There's nothing I can do. And it kind of, you fall into this black hole, not understanding that one of the things that we do is the way in which we truly communicate what is going on with us. Mm -hmm. And that's scary sometimes. I think for people in general to sit down and really talk about what's going on internally with us, whether it's our fears or those emotional things that are going on. I think that can be really scary sometimes because that means I have to acknowledge that this is happening. But the other thing is, is to trust that the other person is going to listen and have empathy for me. Listen without judgment. Yes. To actively listen and to truly hear what it is I'm saying. Oftentimes men will tell me I don't feel validated. Right. I don't feel like what I'm doing matters. So they're talking about a behavior and not understanding uh, the behavior can translate to different things. So even when I did the parenting class, when I would tell people, how do your children know you love them? Moms, why tell them I hug them, you know, or this, that or the other. And the man, I go to work, I make sure, you know, that their electronics work or blah, 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 blah. And I said, well, how does that tell somebody you love them? And they'll pause and they'll go, what do you mean? I said, that's a behavior. But how do you tie that in? It's because internally, I'll make sure his bike tires are filled up or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. Well, a mechanic can do that. And a mechanic doesn't love you. The neighbor can do that. Yeah. Do you see what I mean? Just because you're
1: doing it from a place of love doesn't mean that other person understands that. Yes.
0: Once again, just as the little boy's behavior looked like anger, but it was hurt. Right. So that's why it's important to communicate, to help them understand those behaviors. Mm Mm-hmm. And also to help men understand that oftentimes what they're dealing with is not necessarily anger, but we will identify it as anger. Frustration quickly turns to anger and upset. When I am frustrated or any, when we get to that place of frustration where we feel like the other person is not understanding us or the situation or whatever it is, when you kind of feel like you're trying to explain it and the person's not listening because they're they're busy they're not listening with intention or actively listening they're listening to answer and respond mm-hmm. and that's where we see a lot of breakdown in communication men and women i see it often with them when i'm doing couples counseling they'll come in and and the wife will say you know i was talking to him about my boss at work and Right away, I know what happened. I said, he went to say, well, this is all you have to do. She goes, I don't need him to tell me what to do. And I said, then that's how you have to start the conversation. You have to say, I just need to vent to you. I don't need any help. I just need to vent. And believe it or not, they'll sit there and say, okay. And they will listen to you vent. Mm-hmm. But if you come to them and you tell them, oh my God, the kids misbehave so bad today and blah, blah, blah. Well, I'll take care of that. Well, from now on, you just have to do this, this, and this. And now the fight's on. Right. That's a miscommunication, but I also tell women you need to speak with intention as well. Say what is relevant and important in order for the other person to hear it.
1: Right, because if you start with a lot of backstory, which a lot of women will just by you know nature, we you know we do talk, <laughs> but I think that that that's part of the problem because then the men get lost in all of that backstory and don't even realize what the
0: point is. And like you say, they want to fix things so. And how much frustration I will see when I'm doing couples and they're talking to each other and I'm just kind of sitting there listening and looking at them and I'll be there like, excuse me. They'll be there like, what? I said, do you all understand you're saying the same thing? No, we're not. And then I'll repeat it for them how they're saying it. And then they're like, oh, but it's that we're not listening. We're communicating. And I always tell people, people are communicating the best that they can with the knowledge that they have right at that moment. But I think the biggest disservice that we do is we are not teaching communication skills around feelings. We will teach communication on problem solving, all sorts of things. Yeah. But we will, we are not teaching communication on an emotional level. Mm-hmm.
1: When you're in an emotional place, it's like you say you're. A lot of times, people are listening with the idea of what they're going to respond with right away. There's so many assumptions that are made in doing that because you're not really hearing what the other person is saying. You're just assuming maybe based on past behavior or those kinds of things. So you formulate
0: an answer before you actually even hear the real message. Exactly. You know, it's interesting. There are some schools that are doing like a social, emotional building and stuff like that and looking at that emotional intelligence and stuff. And it baffles me that there are people who are opposed to this. They are fighting this in school systems. It's not the school's responsibility to teach our children how to be emotionally strong, blah, blah, blah. That starts at home. Then do it at home. Right. But guess what? Your kids are with teachers more than they are with you. And there are definite problems popping up in
1: schools around this. Yes.
0: We are seeing more anxiety in kids than we've ever seen before. Depression. Depression. We are seeing more emotional dysregulation in our children. And it's because once again, and a lot of that, and and even we're seeing a little bit of that more in females, a little bit now. These are kids who are born into an age of electronics. So there's a little bit of difference. We don't know what that's going to look like yet until a few years down the line. Mm -hmm. I think people are there like there's some talk about it in the world of therapy and stuff like that. But we don't know what that's going to look like.
1: But But, we can already see that this lack of communication or effective communication is definitely playing out as aggression a lot
0: of times. It absolutely is. And once again, we've got to stop as a society saying it is okay for men to only show aggression. That is so crazy. And I get it. I get when frustration levels get to a high point. I get when... There's all kinds of stuff that can happen, you know, whether it's frustration or all those other little emoji things and all that stuff that's going on that people don't really know how to identify. We know that that can that sometimes that does lead to anger. Mm-hmm. But just because you're angry does not mean you have to have a behavior. You are in control of those behaviors. But oftentimes, well, I can't control myself. Well, who can? Because if you don't control yourself, somebody else is. Mm-hmm. Whether it's in school, whether it's the principal and the teachers or the ISS or expulsions, whatever, or if it's road rage and all of that and it gets too far, the law. So mm-hmm. you're giving up your control and power to some outside entity. Mm-hmm. And when we do that, then there's that internal anger like, oh, my God, why did I let that happen? Yeah, Because why then did then you I have it?
1: those repercussions that come back on you. And it
0: was based on acting on those emotional outbreaks. And I think that's where we start to have this thing. And, you know, I'm very fortunate because I do have some families who I've seen the moms come in. So I've seen the little ones since they were babies. Well, they're like sponges. So they listen how we talk in therapy. They'll be playing and stuff. And, I, and I'll play with them, you know, because I love to build things. <laughs> but it's really interesting because as those kids age and I hear them and the the parents continue to talk with them about no baby, use your words. Let me know what's going on with you. So they're continuing that thing and I see that with them and it's amazing to even hear the that vocabulary like the little boy who is trying he's out talking to Christy one day, because I'm in with the uh, mom and He's built something or he can't fix it. He
1: was trying to build a house or something out of the blocks and he asked for help.
0: Because he was frustrated.
1: Yeah, he was a little bit frustrated. And then I I told him, I says, you can do it. I know you can do it. And he says, well, I'm doing my best.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So he used his words instead of letting that frustration build like you often see. Yeah. Yeah. And even when we're in there, I'm building stuff and I can't, like I said, I cannot tell you how many times I, they'll say, build me a castle, build me this, and I will be putting on that last one and they will come and kick it down. (laughs) And the parents, oh my God, you, I said, wait a minute, leave it alone. But you weren't even, I said, I don't care. I can rebuild it. And that's what I teach them. If they're working on something and it falls down, they'll start to get really, up. they're like, oh, guess what? They're blocks. We get to rebuild it.
1: And that's such an adult response because we stay in such a serious mode and that, and it's so it's hard to get into that mind of play and pretend and realize that it is not
0: such a serious situation. And I will tell you, it is mostly the little boys who will kick down my stuff. I'll have little girls, but it's rare that I have them. As much as I do, the little boys, as soon as I'm about to complete that, they will knock it down. Yeah. And sometimes... Doesn't that make you angry? And they're like, why? We're playing. Yeah. They make the rules. Who cares? I can build something 30 times. I feel like in some sessions (laughs) don't care because, but the thing is, is what I work with, you know, when I worked with kids in particular little boys, because oftentimes they were in there because they were having acting out issues. But I would see that they would start building in that frustration when it wasn't just right. Mm hmm. Um, they're like, hey, you don't get to be mean to miss Sharon's toys or we don't get to play with them. I said, it fell down. What do we do? Build it again. And, you know, you could see that. <laughs> uh-huh. We call it the Ghana. <laughs> mm-hmm. But even at
1: that, the play is about the process. You
0: exactly. Know?
1: You're not going to finish the product and, and keep it there forever because you're going to rebuild something else with it.
0: Mm-hmm. And that's what I always tell them, guess what? We can make and unmake and make and unmake. And then we start to see a change in those behaviors. But we cannot change aggressive behavior with aggressive behavior. And oftentimes when you see men, you know, and I've had this in my office where they do their posturing and stuff. Because that's what they're taught. Mm -hmm. That's what they're taught. Now, I will see that sometimes. Thank goodness it's not often in my office. But... I've had occasion and I'll have two men who are getting ready to go out and I'm there like, no, you both need to pause and they're angry, Mm -hmm. you know, but what I do, how I remain is they pick up on that energy and one had to leave and take a walk. Well then go leave and take a walk. Come back when we can do this again. Mm -hmm. Do you see what I mean? That's what I'm saying. Communication is more than one person. How I'm reacting and responding when somebody's speaking to me is important. Right. We talked about that effective of communication but there's also that active listening. Yeah. You know, and listening with intention.
1: And how many times men are just told to man up, mm-hmm. you know, and just take it, just deal with things, you know, and not, not talk about it.
0: You know, where I see that a lot is oftentimes when women get ill and if they get a really serious illness, not all men, but a lot of men have a really difficult time with that. Because it's so emotionally charged, I think, sometimes. Mm -hmm. They don't know what to do. And once again, they're fixers. I can't fix it. Right. You know, and to me, it's not about fixing things. It's about being there. It's about communicating. If you're stressed or worried because of that, let the person know. I'm really stressed about this. I'm really worried about this. Yeah. Yeah.
1: So, I mean, I feel like that. Those messages have have been really a disservice to men. And I think that that we do need to
0: change those messages. We have to remember, women, men are important. Men, you have to remember you are important. And we can continue to do this, and you continue to take time off of your life. Self-care is important. You know, and men, self-care. I'm going to go play video games. And then they're all raging in the video game because whatever's not happening or they're breaking their their controllers or the TVs or whatever they're doing.
1: Yeah, just because you have some free time to go do something like that doesn't necessarily mean that's about self-care.
0: Exactly. Unless I guess it's a game that it's all sunshine and rainbows. I don't know.
1: How <laughs> you many know? play that? I don't
0: know. <laughs> I don't know too much. But this is the thing. I have a client who... She goes and gets petties and manis with the friend of theirs. And the friend in her finally said to the husband, you're going to come with this. No, I'm not.
1: Yeah, because they've received this message that you don't go and do stuff like that. That's a girly thing to do. Yeah,
0: well, he went and did it and he loves it. Yeah. He gets it now. He gets it. He doesn't do the manicures anymore, but he does do the pedicures. He really likes it. Well, think about it. Oftentimes we're on our feet. Yeah, And if you haven't had a pedicure, man, go and do it. They don't paint your toenails. There are some that they do. Go for it, man. Be you. Live free.
1: (laughs) Nothing wrong, though, with cleaning up the nails and, you know, looking manicured of that. I think that that's really a cool thing when, I mean, yes, it feels nice and those kinds of things. But, I mean, who doesn't like to see, you know, somebody with nice clean nails and that <laughs> there's nothing it, wrong with that.
0: And not only getting a massage. Yeah. A lot of men won't do that. Exactly. Well, that's kind of weird. You know what? It's amazing. It's so worth it. It is. It's part of our self-care. I mm-hmm. mean, we do the Petty and the manies. We do the, the massages. Even we were doing acupuncture. We got to get back into that. But those are all self-care things.
1: And you think about, you know, how much tension or pressure men are carrying around and that. To have something like that you know those massages or that like you say i mean that's alleviates a lot
0: it absolutely does and that's why self-care is important i always all my male clients well all my clients but my male clients do find time i don't care if it's 15 minutes in this week that it is about self-care for you i don't care if it's taking a bath hot shower that it's just you with music and or reading a book, going fishing, those kind of things. And then my male clients come back if they've gone fishing or stuff, you know what, I really needed that. Yeah, Being out with nature sometimes really, really helps with that. Right,
1: and that's like the main
0: thing I think is being
1: able to disconnect
0: from the problems of the world for a little bit. I have some who go golfing. Now see, that to me would not be stress (laughs) relieving. No. I think it's lovely that it is for people. A lot of men play golf. They'll talk about that. Just the walking and the camaraderie, and all of those things mm-hmm. are super important. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what we're talking about: building those relationships, having those friendships. How many times I'll I'll ask men, "Well, who are your friends?" Well, I really don't have any. I well, I the people I work with, or it's like, or the people I'm online with, but it's not those people that they're actually engaging with and doing things with at a job and that where that there's sometimes
1: negativity and things like that going on. I know you recently read an article, something about the relationships that you build making your, the longevity uh, even better.
0: Yes. They were talking about what they are seeing as a really big contributing factor to longevity is our relationships, but it also ties into communication. Exactly. So communication was a big piece of it and having those long-term relationships or even just strong relationships where people are talking and communicating with each other. And that's really a relevant thing. So that's some new studies that they're looking at. And these have, these are studies not that are just like with 10 or 15 people. I think this one had like 700 and some people in it. Uh, so they're not tiny studies. Even when they were looking about people when they retire, what is it about retirement? When I'm working with men on retirement and all that, we talk about that, too. And the thing is, is I always tell them, listen, when you retire, you have to know, have relationships. And a lot of times they'll say, I'm having a hard time maintaining those relationships because most of them were work-related. hmm Well, and I have one. Well, I don't talk to them. You know, they're still working, so they have stuff to do. So once again, they're removing themselves from those relationships and Important, important, important communication in relationships. When we communicate really well, even in our relationships, it causes a di- more depth to those relationships. Mm-hmm. They're not those superficial ones. And oftentimes men will tell me why they're just kind of superficial. You know, we just talk about, you know, sports or... I always remember on that uh, par par four four, when the guy is talking about how he talks with his dad, Boki boki par, par, par.
1: I never know what to say to that, he says.
0: <laughs> but he's talking about that relationship with his dad. Yeah. He doesn't know what to talk about. It's always the same thing for men, for us. We don't want y'all dying at a younger rate than women. We're really looking for you to have that longevity, to be able to have that long life. It starts with that communication. It starts with talking. Our suicide rate for men is way, way too high. Working on getting that down, communicating those feelings and those thoughts is super important. Taking care of ourselves. Self-care is important. Not being afraid of those feelings and emotion. Start talking about them. It doesn't mean you have to go find a therapist. But we're out there. Right. I promise you therapists are out there to help you. We're No judgment, just come in, say what you have to say, say what's relevant to you, just communicate. And if you're at that degree and you need to find someone, do that. Yes, if you're having thoughts of harming yourself, know that there are people out there who can help you. That's really important, you're not in this alone. And I know it will feel like that, but once again, a lot of those things just start overwhelming the system and stuff. But I encourage you to seek the help you need. Find somebody, if it's not a therapist or that, I'm not saying that's the end all to beat all, but it is an availability. Yes. But if that's not what it is, start talking. Start talking about, find that person you feel like you can really communicate with and share some of the stuff that's going on in your life. You don't have to hold it and bottle it up and all of that other stuff. So it's really important, self-care, that communication and we've got to stop this madness in our society of men have to buckle up buttercup. Mm. Stop your crying. Real men, boys don't cry. All those other crazy things because they are hurting you. They are not helping you. Right. They are not. I promise you. So take a little bit from women that yes, maybe women are more emotional we're outliving you and we're outliving you because we allow the emotion where it, it is what it is. We talk about it and it's cathartic. So we're going to ask you to do the same thing. But if you are having thoughts of harming yourself, no, there is help out there. You can call the National Suicide Hotline is one eight hundred two seven three eight two five five 273
1: 8255 I do know that they have also recently just added that you can just dial 988 as the life uh, crisis
0: hotline. Yes, these things are available to people. Use them, man, male or female. It doesn't matter. Adult, child, the resources are there. The help is there. Reach out for it. Take care of who you are. And I know today's subject is a little heavier than we normally do. But we thought it was really important because you know what? At the end of the day, we really do want the men that are important to us to continue to be around. Okay? we hope you enjoy the episode and that you can walk away with something. Have a great week. Be kind to others. But more importantly, be kind to yourself. Thank you for listening. Yes, thank you. Bye. Bye.